Dan, I would like to welcome you to The Adam Principle, and it is a show where we provide inspiration and information for transformation. And so I'm, uh, we're talking to Dan King, who was a corrections officer for about 15 years. Would you like to give us a little history again about uh, what you've done and how long you did it? Sure. Uh, I, I work in uh, various jails throughout Tennessee, Missouri, and Arizona. Uh, I've done normal county corrections. I've done a private jail. I worked in a juvenile jail for a while, and then I ended my career in that field as a probation officer in the drug court system here in Arizona. Nice. Do you know what percentage of jails in um, Arizona are private? Um, the jails themselves tend to be all uh county owned okay. the, we, we do have a number of uh, private prisons though especially over in the Coolidge area mm-hmm. um, I don't know I don't know the specific number but I could look that up for a later show if you want that'd be awesome yeah that's something I would like to talk about um, you know you were sharing with me that uh, when you were doing intakes that you were there processing and admitting a lot of the people you grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a small area in Southeast Tennessee and for whatever reason, uh, a lot of people that I grew up with, uh, wound up getting into drugs and stuff. And I had the unique experience of booking about half of my graduating class, plus a couple of my cousins and an ex-girlfriend. Wow. Yeah, I have an ex-girlfriend. I could, if you'd help me out with that one. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so uh, what, you know, now I know this, you know, when I talk to you about scheduling, you're like, you took your family to church today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm wondering, did that experience have much? What kept you on the right side of the law? Um, church and faith were definitely a big thing. Um, I, I tried to... I really had kind of an interesting balance. I had like the proactive spiritual side of going to church, but then I also had kind of like the flip side of that, the lessons of what not to do, because I had, um, I had had a couple of cousins who were slightly older than me who fell into the drug world, and I saw the mistakes that they made. So it's like I had, I had both, the, you know, what you should do and then the what you should not do lessons. And I, I really managed to take that to heart. And yeah. I, I'm thankful that I did that because, you know, it, it kept me, you know, in a better state of life. So, Did you say that the girlfriend you um, processed or whatever, she's been in for 25 years? No, my cousin. Okay. My, um, one of my, one of my cousins, uh, she she started getting really rebellious in high school and eventually she became a stripper and got involved with uh the cocaine traffic world there in east tennessee and um wound up taking the fall for a murder that she had been involved in oh wow yeah yeah and so she's uh she may be getting out soon i don't know um we'll see how that goes for her 
Yeah, and I hope things have changed. Now, I think you told me you felt like prison often really did help, not prison, jail, rehabilitate people, you know, gave them a, a slap in the face, cold shower, wake-up call. Yeah, uh, jail, yes, prison can. Prison also seems to be... Um, it prison's almost like con university for for a lot of guys so okay if you wind up falling into the prison category it's tricky some guys the way the way that some of the our correction system is handling things now at least here in Arizona seems to be better than a lot of other jails but i mean i'm not going to say it's you know stellar responses and you know you know they're going from convict to rogue scholar or anything but yeah, the jail seems to be kind of like the cold splash of water and wakes uh, a lot of people up. Gotcha. Cool. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I want you to tell us again about this interesting process experience because it is yeah, the intake, this person with the special intake. Yeah. Uh, it's such a fun story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I had, uh, you know, being in that business, you know, police departments, jails, we share information with each other. And I got to see the x-rays of a guy who had uh, shoved a 38 snub nose revolver pistol up his rear end oh. to try to sneak into a correctional facility. And he was, at least the story that I got was that he was going to, take it in there so somebody higher up in his criminal organization could uh, potentially shoot their way out of prison and you know make a run for it whatever um, thankfully wow. thankfully they caught him and I don't know how they got it out of the guy because um, just the the shape and the size of the thing it's you know when I think about right. it it just feels uncomfortable but yeah I mean there there's a lot of weird kind of crazy fun stories like that yeah and i look forward to uh going through some of those with you in future podcasts so you know those are really intense experiences you know um 15 years of that how did it change you what what became different what what did it do to you coming out of that after 15 years um i learned a lot about body language um I learned, you know, I I also learned to to see that you know a lot of the people in jail and even some of the guys in prison are not completely horrible people. They're people who, you know, a lot of them they're trying they wind up falling into addiction as a coping mechanism for other bad things that have happened in their lives. Um, yeah. some of it done to them some of it by their own choice uh, but they you know they wind up falling into an addictive pattern they make bad choices and they wind up in jail um, now for nobody wants to go to jail but uh, from what I saw jail for a lot of people was actually kind of a step up because you know especially when they've gotten into these addictive patterns they're on meth and crack and whatever um a lot of them fall into homelessness and it's just you know they're in a very bad spot in life 
and then they make a decision they get caught and go to jail and then jail forces them you know they can't get they can't get their drug of choice anymore and so they get sober and so and they start getting food and they have shelter and it gives them a chance to really kind of reevaluate themselves and their lives and some take it to heart and some don't and um the ones that want to be helped will take it and i i thankfully got to you know i got to see some guys um after jail that you know took it to heart and they they improved their lives and um some of them are now productive members of society and you know just want to be with their family and work and that's that's there you go ultimately what we want for people is you know just to you know live a clean happy life yeah exactly um do you think that there's a better choice do you think that there is um do you think psycho- psychological counseling or anything? Do you think a lot of these people who are falling into addictive patterns would benefit from counseling? Yes, um, yeah, I do. And in some of the in some of the correctional facilities, they actually have that. Um, some do, some don't. It's not a standard thing. But where possible, yeah, some of them get counseling. Some of them even have AA classes and uh, nice. and yeah. stuff like that. So it just kind of depends where you are and the size of your facility. But um, absolutely, because a lot of these guys grew up in rough lives and, you know, this is just kind of par for the course for them. But yeah, absolutely. They could, they could totally benefit from, you know, support groups and counseling and stuff. Well, that is great. That is great. Well, I look forward to talking to you some more in future podcasts. I can see a good series coming from this, Dan, and I appreciate you uh, joining us today. Thank you. You're quite welcome. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.